Welcome to another edition of Hey Bobby with Senior VP of the Cleveland Guardians, Bobby DiBiasio, brought to you by our good friends at JW Dodato Electric. Well, Bobby, here we go. Rule changes kicked in last week after you and I talked. I couldn't wait to sit down and talk to you about those rule changes going into effect for Major League Baseball next year. And the first one, and you and I have talked a lot about this the last couple of years, about the shift, how Tito feels, how baseball feels. Talk a little bit about this rule change and what are your initial thoughts on this? Ray, I think it's important that people understand uh, who the deciding uh, members of the committee were. So there was a collection of club representatives, uh, players, uh, umpires. Uh, so it wasn't just people sitting in New York uh, deciding on rule changes for the game of baseball, that it was a collaborative effort uh, between uh, the guys in uniform and uh, general managers and farm directors. And it was also important for people to understand that all of these changes were implemented as an experiment in the minor leagues the last number of years. So it isn't just like something popped out of the sky and they said, let's do this at major league baseball level without experimenting and trying it in the minor leagues. So I think it's important for people to know that all of these um, were implemented in the minors. So there's a real life experience behind them. The shift, I was a little bit amazed, Ray, um, because I always thought as the conversation was going, that yes, the shift was going to happen, or the restrictions were going to be put in place, and that all four infielders had to have their cleats on the dirt, but they could be positioned wherever they wanted. The rule change states two men on the left side of second base and two players on the right side of second base, which is a little bit different, again, than originally discussed. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, guys like Victor Martinez, Travis Hafner from uh, old uh, Cleveland uh, days uh, would probably love to see that because uh, Carlos Santana, the kind of, you know, BBs those guys would hit to short right field and get thrown out at first base. Uh, uh, what the pitchers are going to feel like when that used to be an out, now it's a base hit. And are you going to be a team like us? you know, that goes first to third all the time. Uh, uh, the, the big swing and miss people who try to hit homers um, or strike out. Uh, how's that going to change the philosophy of those ball clubs and those hitters? Uh, I don't think Tito, as you opened with, is a real fan, as I don't think he's a fan of people telling him how he can compete uh, in each and every game. But Again, uh, the thought process is let's get more action in this game. Uh, the other uh, rule changes involved with health and safety of players. It's going to be very interesting in 2020. I, I, I think it's a huge change, Bobby. I mean, when you look at this, you got two guys on the left and two guys on the right. And you're exactly right. A team like the Guardians, this plays right into what we do offensively, running the bases and hitting the ball where it's pitched. but this is a huge impact on this game and also all the way down through the systems of, and like you said, these guys in the last 10, 12 years have been taught about launch angles and all this other stuff. 
we're going to kind of go back to 1980s baseball, just hit the ball hard somewhere. Right. And the true power hitters will be um, the home run guys, the big sluggers in your lineup, but there'll be a premium on putting the barrel of the bat on the ball, which there should be. And it shouldn't necessarily always result in an out. Although Tito and a number of people would say, well, if there's a shift then learn how to go the other way, that's how we, you know, we took the pitch where it was thrown and took it wherever uh, we needed to do it to get a base hit or a double and then take that pitch that was given to us uh, in our wheelhouse and try to hit it out of the ballpark. It's going to be very interesting. The uh, um, pitch clock, I, I think, uh, is going to be in, in very interesting with, uh, you know, 15 and 20 seconds involved, um, you know, with nobody on base. So it's what, four, 15 seconds between pitches with nobody on base and 20 seconds with uh, somebody on base. Again, this was implemented in the minor leagues. A lot of young pitchers who are gonna be coming up to the big leagues or are already here, you know, pitched in that format. So it's not gonna be something that's so terribly disruptive, but it has been proven that it does quicken the pace of the game, which is one thing baseball uh, had on its mind. Uh, more action, quicken the pace, uh, the health and safety of its players. The other thing, Bobby, too, that was implemented in the minors, and I'm interesting if you know some of the research, was the bigger bags. Yes. You go down through baseball history, those close plays at the plate are going to be a little bit different now. The bags are bigger for one, getting down the first baseline. The other part of it is you're about six inches closer now on a stolen base. And that's an interesting aspect. It doesn't seem like a whole lot, but it is big when you're trying to take that extra base. Oh, it's huge, in my opinion. Uh, actually, 4.5 inches, you'll be closer to second and third base uh, as a base runner. Um, they're going from 15 inches square to 18 inches square, um, therefore giving you a little bit of an edge. So the guys who you know, uh, could really run and, and throw bases, uh, steal bases, you know, they're going to try it a little bit more off uh, the pressure that it will put on the pitcher to be quicker to home plate and the pressure on the catcher in his release times, accuracy of their throws. So the bigger bag is part of the health and safety aspect and turning double plays and things of that nature. Um and it's going to help the action part as well with a lot more speed um, being uh, um, advertised throughout the, um, the game of baseball. That we, uh, um, we want the athleticism of, of these players uh, to be front and center. And when they can hightail it, We've got guys on our team, the Ahmed Rosarios and, and Andre Jimenez, Stephen Quanick and Miles Straw, et cetera, et cetera, Jose Ramirez. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the philosophy of um, our ball club when uh, it's a teeny bit closer at second base and third base. Senior VP with the Cleveland Guardians, Bobby DiBiasio. Hey, Bobby, Roger by JW Dodato Electric. The other aspect I wanted to bring up on this week's show, Bobby, was Joe Carter. And for a time with our team, he was among the best in baseball. When you look at 1986 to 1989, 
Matter of fact, the 86 season, 121 RBIs, 29 home runs, had 200 hits, and 87, 88, and 89, he was equally as good. This week, he became the first player in Major League Baseball history to have 100 RBI seasons, three straight seasons, three consecutive seasons with three different teams, the Indians, the Padres, and the Blue Jays. That's quite an accomplishment, but for a while, Bobby, elaborate a little bit. Joe Carter was among the elite, and he was doing it right here for our team. One of my all-time favorites. What a wonderful man, a gentleman, fun as fun could be. Uh, love putting on that baseball uniform. Joe was just such a treat to be around. Um, you know, he was the Chicago Cubs' number one draft pick back in 1981. He was the second player chosen out of Wichita State. Uh, Mike Moore, a highly touted pitcher, went to the Mariners right above him. Ended up his career under 500, but pitched, I think, 14, 15 years in the big leagues. Um, Joe Carter, obviously, um, as a high pick, uh, really showed his stuff <laughs> in a career that lasted uh, what, 16 years and his time with us, he, um, I think it was that 86 season that you referenced with the 121 RBIs that he led the league, um, 29 homers, as you said, but he had 29 uh, stolen bases and he was mad after that phenomenal year that he didn't get 30 homers and 30 steals back then. That was the true benchmark of an elite performer, uh, a true athlete uh, that you could both hit with power and run with speed. Uh, the very next year, he ended up doing it. He had 32 homers and 31 steals. Um, I remember the last game of the year in 86, I think it was, uh, he got on first and I can't remember who was at the plate, but they swung at the first pitch and popped up. And he was so mad that at least he wanted to get to 30 steals. And the guy uh, at the plate didn't even give him the opportunity. He swung at the first pitch. Um, you know, the team wasn't in the running that year for a postseason spot. So, um, yeah, he, he was like, what the heck's going on? The next year he made sure um, that he got his 30-plus uh, stolen bases uh, and also hit 30 home runs. So uh, first player in our franchise history uh, to be a 30-30 guy and uh, just a remarkable athlete. Again, played, what, 16 years. Um, the heroics that he did for the Toronto Blue Jays, he's an absolute, as you would expect, a hero in the, uh, in the country of Canada. And uh, he played there in Toronto for seven years, but he played for us for six. And after six remarkable years, Hank Peters made the trade that really set forth the renaissance of this franchise by trading Joe Carter to the San Diego Padres for Carlos Baerga, Sandy Alomar Jr., and Chris James. And uh, as much as it was difficult to lose an athlete, um, like Joe at that time, uh, that was a blockbuster at the winter meetings. And it really did propel us, um, as we were moving into a new building a few years later, 
um, the foundation of the, the fortunes of this franchise. There you go. Another edition of Hey Bobby with Senior VP of the Cleveland Guardians, Bobby DiBiasio. We do it each week here at WAKR. Bobby, my friend, as always, thanks for making time for us. We'll do it again next week. Thank you, Ray. Go Guardians.